On today's edition of Bench Bros, is Daniel Jones the savior of the Giants? Is Antonio Brown done from the NFL? Are the Buckeyes on upset alert against the Cornhuskers? And is Jim Harbaugh Miami bound? Plus, previewing all the upcoming college football action and the NFL game slate this weekend. And a lot more on Bench Bros. Let's go. Welcome to this edition of the Bench Bros Sports Podcast. We're glad you could join us today as we were a bunch of sports junkies debating about the hottest topics going around in the world of sports. I'm your host, Wesley Splain. Joining me today are Anthony Frattini and Brandon Farrell is taking care of the pig and will join us in a little bit. So, Anthony, what's up, buddy? What up, Wes? How's it going, buddy? What? what? It's going what good, man. NASCAR, baby. NASCAR. We're getting a lot of good weather lately and. uh... You know, I got to take advantage of it now because it's going to get cold really soon. But it's been freaking awesome. And, like, all the uh, great college football action and the NFL, everything's going great. And also we have NHL starting up soon. Yeah, this is an interesting time of year where it's, a, um, you know, going from the start of football into hockey all at once with baseball playoffs, NASCAR playoffs. So there's, like, a lot going on at once. But it's exciting because it keeps yeah. you busy. And then we got NBA also starting at the end of October. So all four sports are going to be happening at once pretty damn soon. All the four major sports. And uh, baseball is pretty much getting wrapped up. I know the NL side is all taken care of, but the AL wild card is still up in the air. The Yankees are still battling with the Astros for the number one spot. Uh, we're both Yankee fans, so hopefully they can pull it out. That starting pitching is still... Worrisome as it was at the beginning of the year. Always. Always, always. I know Severino is back, but I still have that memory of him letting up 14 runs against the Red Sox in Game 3. So, I'm so convinced. Yeah, I'm not pissed. Also, we got Penn State and Maryland coming up. It's a big Big Ten Friday showdown. A lot of things going on. So, uh, let's get started with uh, the biggest NFL story of the week coming out of uh, week three. And that was Daniel Jones being the savior for the New York Giants. We'll have Brandon's opinion more in a little bit because he is the biggest Giants fan in the room. So, he'll be able to give more input. But Daniel Jones was money. He ran it in for the touchdown. He was able to uh, complete an 18-point comeback. Eli Manning has not done that in his whole entire uh, NFL career. So Daniel Jones won over Eli Manning, and he pretty much won over this whole entire organization. But Saquon Barkley is out with a high ankle sprain. Uh, Anthony, what do you think about Daniel Jones making his NFL debut? Man, it is time. It was time. Finally, they got a quarterback who could do something. And I think it just comes down to age now, you know, with – uh, Eli Manning being in the league for so long, it just takes some wear and tear on them mentally over time. I think Eli can still throw the ball, but I think Daniel Jones is just way more hungry, way younger, and he's ready to play. He showed it, and he did. Um, good for the Giants, really. It was well-deserved for them finally. Um, I just, when they first drafted this guy, I mean, we all laughed, honestly. We all were like, we cannot, we cannot. You could run back the tape. We were. <laughs> we were literally making jokes of it like a, a weeks ago when the draft was going. We're like, 
Why did the Giants draft the Eli Manning lookalike? Like, this is disgusting. This is sad. Like, this is sad, right? But so far, so good, man. He looks great, and uh, hopefully he does big things for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, we're in a weird spot in the NFL where half the quarterbacks are 35 and older, and half the quarterbacks are literally, like, 25 and younger. So, And then we got, like, the other half is all backups. So we're in, like, a really weird spot in the NFL. If it wasn't for that Tampa Bay kicker, it would totally be a different side of the story of what's going on because he just blatantly missed that kick. It was just terrible. Something Whether it was on per- – Yeah. Something with Tampa and kickers. And something, he was good that whole them. game. He was good that whole game. Yeah, Daniel Jones went 23 of 36 for 336 yards and – Two touchdown passes. They face Washington this week, so I expect him to be a lot better because that that Bucks defense is still stingy. They gave the 49ers a run for their money. They obviously upset the Carolina Panthers and held them to a, a low standard of like under 12 points. And then also, you know, they were holding the Giants up for a bit. They had the 18 point lead, but um, you know, he was throwing the balls that Eli Manning just really couldn't. He he could fit it in tight windows. I think that was mostly why Eli Manning struggled. You can see the arm strength wasn't there anymore from him. And, you know, this move should have been made three years ago, but now it looks like, you know, it's still one game. So who really knows what this guy's going to be like? But he's playing the Redskins this week. I expect him to dominate against that weak secondary. Josh Norman is not as up to par as he was, but, you know, we're going to see how truly good he is because Sa- Saquon Barkley being out is a big factor, but also Saquon was out majority of that game anyway. But how do you how do you see the future for Daniel Jones? Will he win Offensive Rookie of the Year? That is a big expectation. It's, honestly, I can't even guess that. I would probably maybe say no from this point. Yeah. Um, but it's just going to come down to him. The, the will to want to be the best you can be. And if he has that, then he can do it. But it's tough, man. I mean, there's not many guys that can can jump into their shoes right away and lead their team to success. So uh, we'll just have to see. It's early for him. He only played one game, but he's playing great. If he can keep this up, he'll do very well. Yeah, we're going to find out in the next uh, couple of weeks if he's the real deal because after they play the Redskins, they play the Vikings, and then they go to Foxborough to play the Patriots. So it's not going to – be easy against those two teams because the Patriots have yet to allow a single touchdown and the Vikings defense is still stout. And they gave Derek Carr a run for their money uh, last weekend too and uh, pretty much shut that whole offense down. But yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones, if he if he keeps this up, he's getting golden tape back as well as uh, returning from suspension and Sterling Shepard is back from injury. The sky's the limit for him. It's just... Now that there's game film out, are the defensive coordinator is going to do something different? Because he he reminds me a lot of Alex Smith. He can run, he can run out of the pocket. Uh, he can obviously be more elusive. He's a he's not going to make the like the terrible throws. Maybe he will. Who knows? It's still one game, but yeah, I I think this guy's a limit for New York. It's it puts him right back in the contention of being like an eight and eight team that could possibly fight for a wild card spot. <laughs> Yeah, they needed a guy like this. They needed a new quarterback. They've been needing a new quarterback for years. But uh, I think it's just one of those things that gets into your head. It's like New York, Elon Manning. It's like number 10, Peyton Manning's brother, two Super Bowls, big time win against the Patriots. Like, we got to keep him. 
But like yeah. everybody kept going against the truth. The truth is he he was done. Once you can see he kept throwing more interceptions and touchdowns, it's just time to get rid of him. And I mean, just it was it was it was over with, man. You know, like stop beating the dead horse. It was over, but they just kept holding on to the oh he's this, he's that, he's two Super Bowls. But the truth is he's just not playing well anymore. So it was time. Do we got Brandon on the line? Yes, I'm here. The kid is present. I'm in the building. What do you we're just finishing up our Daniel Jones conversation. Since you're the resident New York Giant fan, what do you think? Is he the savior? Um, I mean, it's a team effort, really, but uh, he gives us some light on the offensive side of the ball. Now it's Saquon out, uh, so we don't have to rely so much on the run game. I mean, this kid could play. He could pass. He showed that. I mean, he's not a slouch like Eli in the pocket. Uh, I don't know about Savior, but he's definitely going to give us some hope to win some, some ball games this season. Do you think he wins Offensive Rookie of the Year? No. No? I do not. <laughs> I do not. No, I mean, hey, man, it was only one game. He's got he's got the potential to do it. Um, but hey, I, I, you should have been in New York City the Monday after. It sounded like they were going right to the Super Bowl with the way the freaking sports media was hyping up Daniel Jones, man. It was ridiculous. Uh, it's like, <laughs> I know. It's like CNN and Fox News when they hype up something the president did wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's actually really true. Yeah. Um. Rookie, rookie of the year. I'm trying to think. I think Actually, could, you know, you I know think what? Josh Jacobs you know what? probably the lead runner right now. Yeah, I mean there weren't too many standout guys um, uh, besides on the defensive side of the ball. Offensive rookie is a possibility um, because, like I said, the draft class wasn't offense heavy; it was more defense. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. But they do have the Vikings and the Patriots after the Redskins. He'll probably ball out this week, and then the hype will be even more astounding, and then they'll probably get trampled by the Vikings and the um, the Patriots' defenses. Uh, I will I will say the Buccaneers don't have an awful defense. Uh, the Giants have an awful defense. And I give Daniel Jones a lot of credit for marching them down the field to win the game. I give the Buccaneers' kicker a lot of credit to the Giants winning that game. Like that. <laughs> what happened to Janoris Jenkins, man? He used to be one of the best corners in the league, and now everyone's running by him like Josh Norman. Used to be. That's the key word right there. Yeah. Used to be. He's not. He's just. He's. That's not Jackrabbit Jenkins anymore, man. That's that's old man Janoris. <laughs> old man Janoris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Danny Dimes is not a bad nickname for Daniel Jones either, but uh, no, I, I don't know Dimes about that. I think Danny Dimes is great. I think that'll stick. He better be accurate, like, down the road. <laughs> Otherwise, that nickname is going to be, like, Daniel Quarters. Uh, Daniel Nichols, I mean, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I think Danny Dimes is pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah, man. And then also we had um, Antonio Brown getting released by the Patriots. We haven't done a podcast about Antonio Brown lately with the latest news. Hopefully this is the last chapter. But he did get released by the Patriots for, you know, being involved in another incident with another girl who was a painter and was saying there were sexual allegations against uh, Antonio Brown for that. And he tried to dig up text messages. 
which kind of led to the Patriots releasing him. And then once he got released, he started attacking Big Ben and um, saying he was done with the NFL and calling out all the owners. So I'm just going to leave it blank. Is Antonio Brown's career done in the NFL? I think he's XFL bound, to be honest with you. I, I hope it's done, man. I'm so sick and tired of my phone on Sports Center keep going off Antonio Brown, AV this, AV that. If this guy, to me, is not in the league playing and making himself useful to his teammates, I don't want to hear nothing. Like, I need to find a way to turn on notifications because I'm actually, like, getting pissed off now. I'm about to literally delete the ESPN app because I just cannot stand this whole Antonio Brown bullshit. Enough's enough. <laughs> Excuse me. Enough's enough. Enough is enough. It's like, why? Why is this? What is? What are we like? What is this? What are we getting out of it? Enough is enough. I hope that he doesn't come back to the NFL. The NFL doesn't need a guy like this. That's the last thing they need. They already have enough pain in the asses. And I mean, did you guys see any of that stuff on Eric Weddle where they kept going at each other? Back Eric forth? Weddle said it best. You're not in the league, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so good, good for him for sticking up, man. I mean, he's just so selfish, just so. And he he comes off, he needs help. He needs help because he he comes off as such a nice guy, Antonio Brown, when he's like with people that he's like giving his gloves to and the fans and like signing autographs. But then he's like saying things like, "The league needs me. I'm the magic trick or whatever he said. Like I, I'm the answers to all the tests." Like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah, the league don't care. Seen. There's so many other receivers who are so much better than you. Like, really, because what it comes down to is character at some point and being a good teammate. Who gives a shit if you can score and get touchdowns? You're a pain in the ass. You cause problems in the locker room. It affects everybody. But I can see, like, what you said, he going to the XFL and, like, some, what is this bullshit, too, going back to school? Like, I don't know, man. I'm so sick of it. I don't want. I don't want any more notifications. I don't want to see anything more. I don't want to see number eighty-four on TV catching any ball. Nothing. He's gonna go to the St. Louis BattleHawks, man. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Does uh, Antonio Brown got Brandon's uh, tongue right now, or? Oh, he's not even on here. Yeah, I just gotta say. Um, oh, my bad. My bad. I, I, I had my mic. Brad, you're on mute. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just He's realized that mute. the dogs were barking, so I muted it. Real. Okay. Um, oh. All right, go ahead, Wes. You, you could go, then I'll go. I just said my piece. I think he burnt everyone's bridges, and once you attack the owners, you're pretty much done. I mean, no uh, owner is going to put up with your BS unless you really change. And the only way you're probably going to change is if you go to the XFL and prove that you're all for the team or whatnot. Uh, your beha- his behavior has been so unacceptable. I, st- I stood up for him for the helmet thing because that's kind of an understandable issue coming from a player's aspect. You want to be comfortable with your own helmet and everything. But when you start attacking guys and, like, Going under, he even attacked Robert Kraft with his whole situation. You don't do that if you're a player trying to get paid by the owners so that way you can be in the league. You just don't do that. So I think he's burnt every single bridge in the NFL going after the owners. No owner is going to want his media garbage, and he's got to stop going after people. Like, your brand is only going to take you so far. Look at the Lonzo Ball brand, like, it, that's. 
uh, that ship sunk so fast. Like, it didn't even last a year. Let's think of this real quick. Uh, AFC Championship last game, what team? Patriots, Chiefs. NFC Championship game last year. Who was it? It was the Rams, and what was the other team? Not Saints, was it? Was it the Saints? Yes, it was Saints, yeah. Was Antonio Brown on any one of those teams? No, right? So what does that go to say that he's so valuable? Well, the problem with that, the problem with that is is, and then you want this guy who's just a pain in the ass. So, like you said, Wes, that's completely out of this point of all this behavior. Well, you can't really... (laughs) You can't really put that into comparison because Antonio Brown didn't even play in the last game of the season. Not saying if he played it would have helped the Steelers get to the playoffs, but it might have. He voluntarily set out because of an altercation or an argument they, he had with the coaches. It wouldn't really matter because Baltimore won their game anyway, and Baltimore had to it, lose in order for Pittsburgh to get in. It hurt Pittsburgh so much already. That's why I think it's a big problem why they're struggling right now with Big Ben and everybody. I mean – Big Ben was could have just been like I messed up, but then Antonio Brown could have been like, you know, we both messed up instead of like everyone pointing the finger at each other. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty obvious Antonio Brown's an idiot. Uh, everybody sees this now. Even the way I mean, if he this dude's going back to school, I, I mean I hope he gets a grammar teacher because I mean this guy is just he doesn't know how to spell, he doesn't know how to write, he, I don't know how he talks, but um, I think his time in the NFL is done. I don't care what his agent says about teams being interested in him. I, I certainly wouldn't be interested. I mean, the agent wants you, to get paid, man. He, yeah, Antonio Brown doesn't have a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that, but I mean, there's who could possibly be interested in him in the NFL? Nobody. I mean, the Patriots and the Raiders. You can't last on that in those two teams. I think you're done. I think your career is done. The only um, chance this guy seriously has is the Miami Dolphins. Really, if not even. Stupid. Not even. Not even. The Dolphins are struggling enough right now. They don't need that shit. <laughs> they really like don't. Said, and it's like Drew Rosenhaus. Let's put it into perspective. Drew Rosenhaus is his agent. He's the one making all the calls to the team saying, hey, do you want this guy? The teams start calling him. I highly doubt the Seattle Seahawks are picking up the phone. because that's He said that's one of the teams. I highly doubt Seattle is worrying about signing Antonio Brown. I don't <laughs> Look, think man. I think he's the worst fit for Seattle, like the worst under Russell Pete, Wilson and Pete Carroll. I think the Pete worst. Pete Carroll is a personality, but he doesn't want that garbage in his locker room, I can tell you that. And Russell Wilson went to Stanford, didn't he, or some good college? with? A he went to Wisconsin and NC State. But he had like a really good GPA. He's like a very intelligent guy. I don't think he's going to want Antonio Brown on his team to like mess stuff up. Yeah. Well, well. Uh, A.B.'s time in the NFL is, I think, is numbered. Um, we're going to see him. I mean, he, he's going to be on Dancing with the Stars, and he's, he was already on The Masked Singer. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, his, that's his new career path, and I think that's where it's going. He loves the attention. He wants the attention. The league doesn't need him. The fans don't care. Just shut your mouth and go on with your life. I'm telling you right now, he's going to the XFL. You, you can put money down on that. He's going to play for either the St. Louis Battlehawks or the New York Renegades or the L.A. Wildcats, Tampa Bay Vipers, I, one of those uh, teams. West, the only well, he very, he very well could, but at the NFL, I res- I, he, I, he's not coming back to the NFL. I respect your, your uh, opinion, Wes. I see your idea. The only thing I can't agree with that is, like, he, he's not going to be able to play in a league below the NFL. He's just going to think he's too good for it. I don't well, he said, he's well he said the NFL day, don't. The NFL 
he doesn't want to play in the NFL. So your only exactly. option is the XFL. And the XFL is in dire need of stars right now, so that way they can get viewership and more money and stuff. Why not go for Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown's going to need a paycheck here or not. He's going to get desperate. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen. Nike cut him off. Like He's not getting Nike paychecks. He's not getting any of that uh, helmet money or whatever helmet company signed him to that deal to wear that helmet. He's not going to get any of that. Everyone's cutting him off. So, of course, he's going to like be <coughs> in a desperate need of money. And the XFL is the only place that he could possibly go. Yeah, he's pretty stupid for that because now, like you said, he is going to be desperate for a paycheck. Yeah. Speaking about being desperate for a paycheck, Melvin Gordon made his way back onto the Chargers roster this week, ending his 61-day holdout. Uh, ah. He won't play this upcoming weekend. But he will be in the mix next week, and he will be back in the Chargers lineup next week. Uh, we talked about this story, and it kind of faded away, and now he's officially back on the roster. Does this help the Chargers' chances at all? Or are they going to stick with Austin Eckler, who's been balling out, by the way? He's been having a tremendous season right now. Behold, my fantasy holders that took a chance to grab Melvin Gordon somewhere in the sixth or seventh round and pray that he would come back to play this season. And I feel so bad for the Austin Eckler owners in fantasy because his value is going dec- to decline drastically. Melvin Gordon, I can guarantee, has not lost a step. He is absolutely going to help the Chargers in a major way in their offense. Not that they need it, but him and Austin Eckler sharing time in the backfield is just going to enhance their offense by just 20 times. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Melvin Gordon is mainly a bell cow. Austin Eckler is more of a pass catcher. Maybe they go back to what they were doing last year with uh, Melvin Gordon taking care of first down, second there, second down, and then Austin Eckler being more of a fill-in kind of back on third down and uh, kind of a reliever when Melvin Gordon's tired. I mean, Melvin Gordon is a pretty damn good running back. But at the same time, you still need to get into football shape. He hasn't taken a hit or anything. He's got fresh legs, but that's going to go down very slightly <laughs> in the first couple of weeks. But go ahead, Ant. Anthony, you got anything on Melvin Gordon? I definitely think that he's going to be an asset to the team. Um, the only thing I worry about from the sports performance side is if he can come back after missing three weeks and then being able to go at 100% and be able to be durable enough in the last the season. Because, you know, you guys know what it's like to sit out of games in the preseason then go in the, you know, um, in the NFL regular season and then get hurt. I mean, we're only three weeks in and look at all the injuries between quarterbacks and running backs and you know, everybody's getting hurt. And um, that is my only concern. If he can stay healthy, he's definitely going to be an asset under that Philip Rivers offense. He totally is. And they're in a one-two slump right now. Um, they definitely need all the help they can get. He'll probably play week five when they play at home against the Denver Broncos. That should be an easy game to get into. By the way, freaking Denver is playing right now. It's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, Jalen Ramsey talks are still out. Jalen Ramsey kind of made it clear that he's uh, dissatisfied with the Jaguars organization and he's still seeking a trade. 
He did come in the week saying he had the flu. Then he said his back hurts, and now he's having his second born, um, his second kid coming to, coming along the way as being the newborn. And so he took the week off, so he's not going to play this weekend uh, in Denver. So there has been rumors about the Eagles making a move. There has been a lot of rumors about possibly Oakland and the Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks coming in, trying to swoop them up. Uh, as of right now, it's about a quarter way of the season. Who do you think needs Jalen Ramsey more out of all over the NFL? Grant, the Giants. Gonna, yeah, the Giants. I'm not kidding. Their secondary is atrocious. A lot of secondaries right now are atrocious across the league. The Eagles' secondary is, too. And yeah. they have all their starters. Well, no, no. I think Darby didn't play last night. Which, well, by the way... Him, besides Aaron, him, but... They, go ahead. I was about to say, Aaron Rodgers sliced him right up when he was like in the passing game, but once he got to the red zone, they kind of tightened it up a little bit. That Eagles secondary is just absolutely Swiss cheese. Yeah, they brought that. They brought their problems in from last year into this year. They carried over for sure. I think they're the ones that need to trade for Jalen Ramsey the most. No, I think the Giants do. But are the Giants going to take that big of a gamble on the player in his prime when they're in the kind of rebuilding phase? I don't really think so. The That's Giants? not David Gettleman. Ne- yeah, they would never take a chance on a great player. <laughs> maybe, maybe an average, like, okay player. They'd say, yeah, sign him for a big contract. But a great player? Nah. Not the Giants. And do you think Jalen Ramsey comes to the Dolphins? <laughs> Dolphins secondary is not bad. Between Xavier Howard and uh, Rashad Jones, they have some decent studs back there in the backfield. Probably some of the best guys, top 100 guys, honestly. I think they both made the top 100 list last year. Um, so they don't need any. Dolphins really don't need any help in that secondary. The Dolphins need help in everything else they could possibly imagine. Um, <coughs> I don't think he's going to go anywhere else. I think that's this is just one of those talk things that, you know, I just, if I was Chandler Ramsey, I'd be careful. Because the NFL is becoming almost a, a like melting pot for like, you know, ruining your own career. So this whole I don't want to be on the team, I'm this, I'm that. You saw what happened to Antonio Brown and people like that. You don't want to go down that path. So for him, I would just shut my mouth. And if I'm not happy, I would keep it to myself or mention it to the coach, mention it to the owner, whoever you can mention to it saying like, look. We're just having conflict, blah, blah, blah. Be honest. Speak the truth if you want to trade. But don't don't pretend like, you know, these this, this guy is uh, Jesus on the cross and saying, like, oh, um, not even that, but, like, putting the spotlight on him saying, I need to trade. Yeah. And you got to watch this freaking replay of uh, K.J. Hammer. <laughs> he high-stepped the hell out of a cornerback, man. <laughs> I'm watching a Penn State game right now. Yeah, they just scored. You got to look at this high step. Oh, it's ridiculous. (laughs) To play at Maryland. Yeah, I mean, the way they got to show a replay of it because it was absolutely filthy. But while you watch the replay of that, I'm going to go on and say that Philadelphia right now is in the most desperate need of of a corner. They'll probably be the ones like 
trying to trade with Jacksonville, but Jacksonville is probably going to ask for a first rounder and another first rounder. That price is going to be way too high. But, but anyway, I mean, yeah, Jalen Ramsey's walking on a steep pipe. He's going to keep making excuses so that way he doesn't play. So you either have this big asset that's just going to be a waste of space on your team, or you go and get more draft picks and um, more players out of the deal and send them elsewhere. Why can't I mean, you can't, go ahead, Wes? Sorry, you can't just have someone not play and be dissatisfied with the team and fill up a roster spot when you can be utilizing um, that roster spot and also get a lot more with like draft picks and stuff. I yeah, like, here you go. Here's the high step. Ready? <laughs> I Ooh. like character. I like I like personality. I like swag. I think it's important. I think it's uh, important that not everybody is. Uh, I'm seeing it right here. Yeah, dude, it's filthy. Good move. I like. I like that. You know, I believe that guys need swag to play. You know, I don't. I believe that everybody needs to be unique and there needs to be difference. Not everybody should be like. Uh, you know, in the military, but like you said, you need to be careful with what you say and how you conduct yourself. You know, just be respectful. Just be a good person. It's not hard. Just be a good person. Um, and I just, I don't know, like some of these players, they just make it seem like they're they're so good that there's no challenge anymore. They want to like step back and just, you know, out play or not show up, make an excuse. And you're doing what you love, number one, and then you're getting paid unbelievable amount of money for it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we the, you see the trend in the NFL. I mean, guys just asking for trades and just asking to be cut via social media. There's no player like, mobility. It's a movement of player mobility. The NFL yeah. needs to have some type of if they don't do it in college, the NFL needs to have some type of like like life lessons or something like yeah. development course. Like literally, just like they have nutrition, strength, conditioning. They do. They do have that. They do have that when you come in as a rookie. They no. They need to have it more than just a rookie. They need to have like life. They have lessons. seminars sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah, I think you're right. It needs to be like mandatory because this is just there's no alignment. I think that's the problem. There isn't an alignment with the team. Instead of saying, "Oh, I don't want to trade," you should say like, "Hey, like quiet down for a second, right? Listen to me. Listen to me real close." Go out there, work your ass off, right? Let's try to win a Super Bowl, right? Isn't that what the goal should be? Isn't that what everybody should want to play for, like to win a Super Bowl? Isn't that the purpose? Like, I know the Patriots are doing that. It shows the truth. Like, isn't that what every other team should want to do? Yeah, and shockingly enough, it's carrying over into hockey a little bit. Some of these uh, hockey players are kind of um, uh, saying, look, pay me or trade me. A little bit. They're, they're they're doing that. It's it's coming more often across all the sports leagues. Like the money talks. Money really does, and it's it's happening in the MLB. It's happening in the NHL. It's happening in the NBA, and it's definitely happening in the NFL. It, it's absolutely happening in the NBA. Are you kidding? But enough of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Enough of that. We got a big week four slate of NFL games. We got a couple of uh, battles of unbeaten's between the Chiefs and the Lions. Yeah, the Lions are unbeaten. That They tied. They didn't lose. And you got the Patriots and the Bills. We also got a couple of big-time matchups with the Vikings and the Bears and the Cowboys and the Saints. And we got a couple of snoozers like the Bengals and the Steelers on Monday night. 
<laughs> we were looking across this week four slate Ooh. with like the ba- the Browns and Ravens, the uh, Panthers and Texans, Raiders and Colts. I think that'll be a good one. The Chargers and Dolphins. Will the Dolphins love another thirty pointer? You know, looking across this week four slate, do you guys have any upsets? What are some key games to watch? I like that Pittsburgh Cincinnati game. That's always a good game, regardless of who's playing. Uh, Steelers Bengals, baby. That's definitely a game to look out for. <laughs> Couple of zero and three teams duking it out on Monday night. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And that that O's got to go for somebody. Somebody's not going to be. Uh, I love that saying. Somebody's got to pull out a win. That yes. O's got to go. <laughs> hey, hey, unless they tie, it could very well happen. But, <laughs> but man, what a what a snoozer for a Monday night game, if you ask me. Uh, the way these two teams have performed. So, well, definitely be an interesting game. Um, but I put my money on the uh, on the Steelers. Oh, I yeah. Think Mason, I think Mason Rudolph takes him to a victory. The game I'm looking agree. forward to the most is the uh, Patriots and Bills. I want to see if this Bills team is legit at 3-0. Granted, like, they've been barely sneaking out year, of games. Every year they start out like that, though. But that defense has got to be able to shut down Tom Brady. And, and the defense offense. is actually legit, man. Really that defense good. shuts down, yeah. Bills so, let's see with the Tom Brady coming underrated. in. And, like, that Patriots defense has not let up a single touchdown all year. So, like, can the Bills actually score on the Patriots defense? Are the Patriots actually beatable? You I'm know, excited. who knows? I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see that you know if um, Minnesota, if Kirk Cousins can actually pull out a victory. I'm excited to see if Teddy Bridgewater can <laughs> beat these stinking Cowboys. The Cowboys haven't really played anybody yet either. So can I, he really? Yeah. Beat them? I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Saints game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills beat the Patriots because if you guys don't remember last year, the, the Bills beat the Vikings, who I believe were three and zero. Which nobody thought that was ever going to happen. And it, at Minnesota, two touchdowns at Minnesota. Josh, who would Josh Allen was hurling guys like hurling linebackers, a quarterback. Everyone was like, "This is set up. This can't be real." Yeah, because they're ass. Because the ranks. The thing uh, you got to watch out for for Buffalo though is if it's a young quarterback going to get up against Bill Belichick. Josh Allen is still young. I feel like the Patriots are going to be up, and then the Bills are going to try to come back, and then he's going to make that that mistake a young quarterback makes, and it's going to be like a Stephon Gilmore pick six and seal it up for the Patriots. Because right now the money the I can see that. spread is at seven. It's, New England is favored by seven. I can see you know the Bills down by seven and then driving, and then Josh Allen throws a pick, and then you know it's either a pick six or something like that. So if I was putting money, I'm putting it on the Patriots. He needs good, 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 good coaching on Sunday. That's what he needs. He needs to make some great, like, game-managing throws. You can't force it in there against Tom Brady. Otherwise, he's going to beat you. Yeah, definitely definitely will be an interesting game to see how Josh Allen handles the pressure of the Patriots. I think the Saints beat the Cowboys at home. I think Teddy Bridgewater proves I think Teddy Bridgewater proved that he can lead this Saints offense against anybody in the NFL and pick up a step. Teddy Bridgewater has started over 40 games. Let's not forget about that. He's He's, not just some slump backup. He's the real deal. 
He's he's ready, man. He he's, Teddy who? Teddy Bridgewater. He's zoned in. He's Teddy ready. who? Teddy who? <laughs> he, he's ready to play though, Wes. I can agree with you on that. He was good at Minnesota. I felt like he was great, but Minnesota just wanted to establish the run so often that you didn't really see Teddy Bridgewater step up as a passer. And now Teddy Bridgewater has Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, arguably top five players in their position alone. And with a great offensive line at home going up against the Cowboys defense that has kind of been like cakewalking through their schedule right now. I mean, they played the Giants week one. They played... You know, the Dolphins last week. Who they played the second? The Redskins. I mean, come on. Who who had the Cowboys really played? So that atmosphere is going to be rocking in the Superdome. I'm predicting the Saints to upset the Cowboys and give them their first L of the year. I also yeah, I predict so. the Browns to probably win in Baltimore, and I also think that Arizona could squeak out a win against Seattle. How about her, boys? Have at her. How about it, Do you guys see any other upsets across the league? Do you see my Broncos beating Gardner Minshew? Which is probably not going to happen. Dude, Broncos 0-3, uh, like, uh, It's rough. Like, Who knew that the Giants will have a have their first win over the Broncos right now? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, I can see the Broncos beating the... Um... The Jaguars, I mean, Jaguars don't have Jalen Ramsey, um, Gardner, Gar, Gar, whatever his name is, dude. Um, Gardner Minshew, baby. Yeah. yeah. Second. Broncos have a lot of injuries, though, don't you? Yeah. Like a lot. Like five, six guys. And we got Flacco. Yeah, I don't understand. It's that boy. <laughs> that boy stunk on him. Yeah. I'm looking across upsets. I can see the Dolphins beating the chart. No, nah, I'm kidding. Come on, dude. Let's be realistic here. <laughs> I can see the Browns beating the Ravens. That is one I'm I'm looking for because the Browns were kind of turning in the gears against the Rams. It was just the coaching. Freddie Kitchens is going to be sharp this week with uh, when it comes to the game plan. He he learned from running a fourth and nine draw play. That you don't do that shit in the NFL and expect to win. <laughs> you know? I can also see the Panthers also beating the Texans in Houston with Kyle Allen out there quarterback. I can totally see that possibly happening. But my pick of the week is definitely the Saints upsetting the Cowboys on Sunday night. That's a rivalry game. You don't realize that with um Dallas and New Orleans are really close to each other. They're about two hours away, and there's a lot of Cowboy fans in that area and like you know the Saints are going to be amped up, especially the Saints fans, to get a W over the Cowboys and just to rub it in their faces a little bit. Take that, you Texas uh, hillbillies. <laughs> and Texas hillbillies they are. Um, I, I really hope the Saints hand it to the Cowboys in a, in a really bad way. Um, I'm sick of seeing the Cowboys win. Um, Eagles have no position to win. They suck. They shouldn't be winning any games. Danny Dimes is going to lead the Giants, um, win the division this year. Cowboys and Eagles are going to lose the rest of their games. Oh, man. <laughs> Go, hey, nah. that Super Bowl pick of the Dolphins and the Giants is still up for grabs, man. Dolphins are yeah. going to be this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about that one, boys? 
Dolphins are going 13 and 3, boys. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to win the rest of their games now. Believe Absolutely. that. Every single one they're going to win by 30 points. That's they right. they actually played great against Dallas in the first half. They really did. They put up a great fight. They did. They did. Then they came out of the locker room and they were like, yeah, we can't do this. Just go out there and finish that box. <laughs> like, why would you put up a good fight against a 3 0 team and then go out there in the second half and just give up? Like, are Anthony, you were you in the locker room? Were you in the locker room, Anthony? I mean, that was a pretty good analysis. <laughs> that literally was what happened, honestly. Coach FaceTime, eh? whoever the coach is now, high school coach from like Missouri. Is yeah, now guys. Uh, it... Yeah, guys, we put up a really good fight in the first half, but let's be real with ourselves. We're not gonna win this game. So let's they get got... some water. Let's let's have some like let's have some pizza. Let's chill out on the sidelines they, and just breeze through got... the rest of the game. They got a high school hockey coach in Canada in there. All right, boys, here you go now. Let's establish the four check. <laughs> Hit them hard behind the boards. Get the puck deep. And all players no. are like, what the <laughs> the owner came down. The owner came down from the press box is like, the hell are you guys doing? Lose this damn game. Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing out there holding them to six points? Get out there and lose. <laughs> What are you guys doing to our draft this year? You're this ain't going to get us Tua. Yeah. This is going to have us keep our team the way it is. I'm trying to get 17 first-round picks. Let's face <laughs> it. You guys stink. You know that you guys stink and go out and lose. That's it, guys, Rob. Guys. Give me your helmet. I'm going. <laughs> guys, let's let's be real now. Can let's you imagine down. if Matt Moore got converted? <laughs> like dolphins would do. Let's calm down. Let's just punt on first down, and we'll we'll lose. We're good, <laughs> guys. We're gonna lose this game. Let's relax now. All right. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Boy. Let's shift to college football. There was a lot of exciting matchups last weekend with Notre Dame almost beating Georgia, and then uh, Oklahoma State ball, almost beat. Yeah, Oklahoma State almost given Texas the upset. But now we, we shift into week five where USC is finally ranked after beating Utah. And then there were a couple other uh, big-time upsets as well um, with Arizona State going down to Colorado and a few others. But we got a big slate of uh, college football going on this weekend with USC going to Washington. We got Virginia going to Notre Dame. And we also have Ohio State going to Nebraska – Possibly on upset alert because Nebraska has been balling with their offense when it comes to the run game. They are 17-point underdogs, but this will be Ohio State's first big-time road test as they have been playing cupcakes at home and putting up 60, 70 points. Ant, do you think Ohio State is on upset watch against the Cornhuskers? No. No way. No way. We have to remember, boys. This is a trap game. It's a trap game. Almost 880 yards, 13 touchdowns, not one pick this season, lighting up that Ohio State offense, 75 points last week. There is no way these Huskers are coming anywhere close near my Buckeyes. Hand the ball to my boy J.K. Dobbins, five touchdowns on his part, almost 500 yards, and the receiving is just incredible all around the field between Benjamin Victor, K.J. Hill, and we have my boy, the new dude out there. And he is uh, Chris. What is his name? He's really Chris Ash. 
No. Chris Hess. Very close. What is that? What is his name? He's a new. He's a freshman, I think. He's really good. Chris Hess. Oh, I forgot his name, but he's really, really good. And they just can't compare. I mean, you're you're talking about a Power Five, Big Ten, top ranked team over the past years to Nebraska. Not, I mean, Nebraska's three and one, but they just don't stand a chance, man. They may come out in the first half like they always do, give them a little bit of heat here and there. But there's just no possible way after the second half that Ohio State's going to sit low and not hand it to this team. Now, this is a primetime game, 7.30, Saturday night. Let's go, boys. Go Bucks. O-H. All righty, then. Back out to you, boys. I? Uh, Wes, Wes, can you, can you tell me what USC is ranked at the moment? 21. What a joke. What an absolute joke. This is why I don't like college football. I understand they lost to BYU, which they shouldn't have. Um, but BYU's they just beat one of the best. They, they, they just beat one of the best defensive teams in college football right now. So you got to give credit where credit is due. And Washington State lost to UCLA, correct? Yep. And Washington State, I'm assuming, is still ranked? No, nah, they're gone. Okay. They're gone, though. Well, I mean, uh, Washington State and USC this week. <sighs> they have a good no, offense. No, it's, it's Washington. It's the Huskies, not the Cougars. Oh. Yeah, you better, yeah. you better watch out because the Washington has got a really good offense. and they got a really good quarterback that can sling the ball all around the field. It's going to be a tough time for USC to pull off that victory. I think Washington gives them a pretty good lick. Is that USC, USC has got to utilize their quarterback, but most importantly, they got to utilize the receivers. This is a team with a lot of with a lot of talent on that receiving end. They need to be able. This guy Solvis or whoever he is needs to be consistent, like he was against Texas when when they played against Texas. They need to be able to get their ball to the receivers and then gain yards after that, and then execute once they get into that red zone. If they can do that consistently for all four quarters, Washington will have a very hard time stopping that. But we can't forget that their quarterback right now from Washington has thrown over, over already over a thousand yards. That's more than even Justin Fields. And this is a 17 ranked team versus a five. So college football, you never know what's going to happen, right? And Washington lost to a really good Cal team and Cal is ranked 15. They're still unbeaten. Cal is really good on their back into their secondary. Don't, and, and it's really important not to listen to the rankings. USC is 21, and Virginia is undefeated, and they're 18. Who is you – know, I can guarantee if you put USC against Virginia right now, USC would dominate. I, I don't believe how, like, Virginia would be a better picked team than um, than USC. I mean, the talent is just not there with this with these guys. Regardless if they're 4-0, I don't know who they've really played. But I know Virginia, pound for pound, just like I say with Georgia, is not as good as some of these other top-ranked teams. They just can't pull it together, baby. Well, here's the thing. Here, I'm going to go back to USC getting smoked by Washington this week, and I'm going to stand by this. Y- Utah was able to drive the ball down to the red zone. They just kept turning the ball over against USC. Washington's offense is 100 times better than Utah's. And they got guys who can take care of or the football, they got wideouts that are freaking burners. And, you know, 
is that quarterback going to carry over? Like the Daniel Jones conversation. Is that quarterback, that third-string junior, is he going to carry over the performance he had from last week against Washington on the road in Seattle? I don't know if you know about this, but that Husky crowd is relentless and one of the toughest places to play in the country. It's pretty dang loud out there. They had a in Guinness Washington. World Record. In yeah, they had a Guinness World Record yeah. for a while. And I just really think Washington has a great defense as well. You know, that one outlier loss against Cal was a really tight game, and Cal has proven to be a really good football team for still being unbeaten and beating all these great teams. They played tonight at 10.30 against Arizona State. But anyway, I think Washington comes out and beats USC by at least two touchdowns. I was literally going to agree with you on that. I'm going to say 14 points. I'm going to stay at 14, no more, no less. Washington has a better defense regardless of the ranking right now. Um, and USC just consistently, consistently, if they, the only way USC can win this game is in the air. They have to get their ball to the receivers and they have to get yards and then they have to execute in the red zone. Like I said, that's the only way they're going to be able to do this. And dude, both these teams are really putting up a lot of points. I mean, average points per game, Washington about 40, USC about 30 and it just couldn't come down to a defensive game, but also being able to throw that ball in the air in college. And if your run game isn't strong, like an Ohio State or Alabama team, it's going to be tough to, to stack on the points quarter after quarter after quarter. So I see Washington beating USC by a good 14, 14 points. I agree with that. All right. I'm going to keep it real here, boys. Washington is not going to beat USC. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to keep it real. <laughs> Uh, yeah, USC's defense isn't that great. Uh, everybody knows that. They don't play physical enough, and it shows their corners. They don't want to play up on the uh, – they don't want to play press defense. They don't want to get physical, and that's why they get burned. If they were able to play physical and they play, and they press the receivers, I mean, I think they'd have a much better defense. But I think their quarterback shows, shows really good signs of light, and I think their offense is going to dominate Washington's offense and USC by 10 points. Oh, okay. okay. Ten points, boys. I, I stand by it. How about okay? How about this? How about uh, UCF suffering their first loss in like a long time uh, against Pittsburgh? How about that? Did you guys catch that game? Uh, I saw bits and pieces of it, but I UCF just could not move the ball against their defense. No, nah, they really couldn't, and. The fact that they came back after being down by 21 points is incredible. But, you know, Pittsburgh ran their own version of the Philly special, and they called it the Pitt special. You're like, come on, be, be more creative. Yeah, seriously. But it yeah. gave them the W, and they gave them the big-time upset of, you know, we weren't really expecting UFC, UCF to lose again. But, you know, now they won't be in contention for getting in the college football playoff this year like they were last year. Yeah, you just can't lose. You just in, the, the games. There's not enough games. You get you're playing 11, 12 games. These teams, you just can't lose. You lose one, and especially early in the season, and, and their whole chance of getting into that four spot playoff is just out the window. So it's just you just can't do that. Um, and it was a tough. It was a tough game. Pittsburgh is a very good team. They lost by one point. So uh, you know that's not that bad, honestly. And. They play some really good teams. They played Stanford the week before that, and they won by almost 20 points, and that's that's impressive, man, like for them to be able to, to do that. So um, it's, it's a tough schedule. 
it's all the more reason to open up the playoffs and allow more teams in there instead of just I mean there's definitely teams out there that could that could that should be in the playoffs that uh, get one loss during or two losses during the season that have played really well I mean let's face it Alabama and Clemson I mean the top teams never really get these hard games that you see USC playing or these teams that are ranked higher in the teens and in the 20s. I mean, these top teams are playing nobody. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's playing Ole Miss, and if Ole Miss was the Ole Miss that it was a couple of years ago, I think it would have been a little bit more of a challenge. But um, They're favored by 37 against Ole Miss. Yeah. That, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. But it's like happen. the quarterback situation, man. Like, you need to have a good quarterback in college football because they establish everything. Like, the NFL, you can kind of just give the ball to the running back and rely on that. But, like, the quarterback is so big in college football at times because they're able to give their ball to the running back. And then, like, some of the running backs aren't that strong on these teams. They're not, they're not like the NFL where every team has almost solid, strong running back to get them yards unless they're, like, 35 years old like Frank Gore and can't run anymore. But um, for the most part – Well, college running back is going to be 35 <laughs> years old. No, I'm saying, like, the NFL <laughs> – like NFL is a staff. Yeah, I got you. I got you, boy. But um, yeah. So quarterback situation in college is very important. I mean, we've seen it through all our power, our top five teams here with Tua, with Justin Fields, with Joe Burrow, uh, even Sam Ellinger for Texas. It's like every single top team you can name, you know their quarterback. You know, and that's that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. It's it's not only it's not only having a quarterback. You got to have a dual threat quarterback nowadays. You can't just have a pocket passer anymore. Yeah, you got to have a, a guy old, that can run out of the pocket and run the ball really well. The old drop back look to pass is old news. That that's why the thing with Dwayne Haskins being such a great quarterback at Ohio State is because he was able to have great receivers to to catch to throw to catch. But as far as college goes, man, like. If you can be more of a, a dynamic player, like um, who was Penn State's quarterback? Uh, McSorley? Chase? John. Oh, it was McSorley last year, but it's a, it's a new guy no, this year. McSorley, like he was very dynamic. He could he was like a running back who could pass the ball. Like same thing with, with JT Barrett and Braxton Miller, these guys that are so dynamic like that. Even Sam Ellinger, like I said, for Texas, they're, they're dynamic players that can move around the field very well. And that, that's a Can I just say something? Threat. Can I just say something real quick before I lose my train of thought? Um, and you bring up a good point. You need to be mobile, and you can't just be a pocket passer. Uh, I think that in, in college level or whatever level you're going, you're in before the NFL, which, I mean, obviously is college, you should be training these quarterbacks to be mobile. There, should no, there shouldn't be any more, okay, son, uh, you're not the fastest, so you're just going to sit in the pocket. You should be teaching all these quarterbacks to be mobile and use their feet and run. Because you see how dynamic these mobile quarterbacks are in the NFL, like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. It is so effective, and defenses don't know how to handle that. And if you can and Aaron add Rogers, that dual threat, it's, it's, to a certain degree. It's, if, if, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Brandon, you're, you're more than right. And it's, it's almost scary to see when those guys first came in the league. Like you said, they just don't know what the hell to do. They're getting blocked by six six three hundred thirty pound linemen, and then they have to chase after a guy who's six foot six one who's scrambling through the field. Like, it's just too much to handle. Like, 
if you have a quarterback who's in the pocket, defenses know what a pocket is. They understand the quarterback is going to be within that area. So we're going to either try to push the lineman into their quarterback or we're going to try to use the arm to get around them. But if you have a quarterback who's who's going to the left side of the field like Russell Wilson and then throwing completely to the right, you know, you're shifting your whole you're shifting your whole team over to one side. And it it's just a lot of confusion, man. And like that's what you see in college too. It's just like you said, training these quarterbacks to be able to move well in and outside of the pocket and to make completions after it and to be smart with the ball. That's absolutely critical. You're missing one big point though. You do raise the concern of injury when you keep running out of the pocket. So you gotta have a valuable backup <laughs> to go along with it. You can't just have your main quarterback be the guy and then but he gets hurt and your backup comes in and it's pretty much season over. Nah, you gotta have a quarterback that's along the same lines of your starter. That's a big thing too. That's why a lot of these college teams, when their starting quarterback goes down, they just find they just go to the tank because they don't have a quarterback like their starter. Their whole offense is composed around the starting quarterback that when they get hurt and you got more of a pocket passer guy coming in, the whole offense is going to go in shambles. The this pocket is, passer guy is not going to run the RPO. He's just not going to. This is when I well, find my team. That's why I'm saying. This is when I find my team two really solid running backs, one with speed and one with toughness, and then I find myself a good receiver who could run a crazy option play so that my quarterback doesn't always have to run out of the pocket. Now, it's a, a positive if you can run out of the pocket on every other on every fourth play, let's say, because you take the chance of getting sacked and getting hurt in the pocket or at least running off to the sideline and being pushed. Now, I completely understand that you can take the chance of getting hurt by being out of the pocket more, but we're not going to train and coach our guys to be RG3. We're going to train and coach our guys to be smart with the ball first and then mobile with them second. Yeah, but you see them with the NFL, man. Injuries happen all over the place. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Out of nowhere. Anytime, any place. You can even not even be touched and you can tear your ACL. You never know. Brandon, your last point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You need to train every quarterback, not just your starter. You got to train every quarterback to be mobile. I'm not saying you need to be a Lamar Jackson and run and be one of the and, and be more of a running back than you are a quarterback. <laughs> just, just be mobile. Like Eli Manning, I mean, he was never a mobile quarterback. He always sat in the pocket. You can't do that now with the nature of the athletes coming into the NFL. It's just a much different game. The whole drop back passing shotgun quarterback is just not really a thing anymore. It's just a changing game I, I, like it is in hockey. It's just changing. Another thing I've been noticing, too, is that they'll bring these quarterbacks up in college, and they'll only have them take snaps from the shotgun. And when they get into the league, they can't take a snap from under center. And it just looks stupid. Happens a lot. Happens almost every game. There's barely any times in quarters or te- quarterbacks. It happens at every college center. except for Stanford. <laughs> Stanford is still old. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. uh, one, one thing I want to mention real quick, Michigan has really been struggling, like, bad. And they went from, like, ranking number eight or something to 11, now to 20. And they're almost about to be out of the top 25. And they have Rutgers this week. And Rutgers is not good. 
But with the way things are looking right now for Michigan, what do you guys what do you guys what are you guys thinking? Like, is this going to be a turnaround game? Is this going to be an absolute 50 point plus game for Michigan? Do you think it's going to be a little bit of a battle? I mean, Rutgers is Who not they playing? Good. Rutgers. Rutgers. Rutgers is not good at all. Are you I mean, saying Michigan... that Rutgers is going to beat Michigan? No, opposite. I'm saying, is it possible that Michigan will be able to get 50 points on Rutgers? Or do you think that Rutgers will actually give them something to fight for? Because Michigan is just not playing good. And these are two Big Ten teams, which I'm like I'm saying, Rutgers is not good at all. Their quarterback is not good. He's throwing more picks than he is uh, touchdowns. And if you can't get your ball to your receivers, then your receivers aren't going to have a good game either. So, I mean, what do you guys think? What are you thinking? Well, I mean, Michigan, I mean, they're not the team that they were. I'm not saying they're going to put up 50 on Rutgers, but they should beat them by at least a good 20 points. Uh, Rutgers is in like a whole different league. I mean, they're terrible, man. They've, they, they, have no, they have no business even being in the NCAA anymore uh, the way they play. Um, so Michigan, on the other hand, I think their season is shot. Um, they show no signs of getting better. I mean, <laughs> worst case scenario, bring the backup quarterback in, man. See what he can do. Yeah. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, part of Michigan's struggles is that they have their new offensive coordinator from – he was a co-coordinator uh, from Alabama, and Jim Harbaugh has given up all the offense to him. Now, granted, Jim Harbaugh is still going to be coaching a little bit, but he's given pretty much most of the control to the new offensive coordinator. That offense has not showed up. Wisconsin is one of the best – they might be the best team in the Big Ten, and I'm not kidding you. That kid Jonathan Taylor is special, and that defense is crazy. They didn't let up – for 10 quarters, they didn't let up a touchdown. 10 quarters. <laughs> Wisconsin is a is a – what I call a – That uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State game in late October is going to be a battle, bro. Wisconsin – Wisconsin is a team that you want to be able to face when your whole team can bench press 500 pounds. Wisconsin yeah. is a team almost like Georgia, although they're kind of under the radar for a lot of college fans that don't know football that well. But Wisconsin, when they know they, how to turn it on. They know some old linemen, man. They have a lot of old linemen, bro. Their old they linemen know, are NFL guys all the time. When they know how to turn Good dairy out there, man. What do you think? I mean, they're getting all their protein. When <laughs> when Wisconsin knows how to turn it on, it's scary. Like it's it's bad. But at the same time, as well as they play, it's as bad as they play. And this is the problem with Wisconsin. You're gonna see them go three and zero right now. You're gonna see them rank number eight. You're gonna see them blow out Northwestern. But coming down later in the season, you're gonna see them start to fall off, and I can almost guarantee that that they're gonna have a little bit more of a struggle coming on in the season. And it's just patterns. It's just patterns of teams yeah. over the season and over the over the years of what's happened within these schools. Is Alabama, Ohio State, these these teams that are always number one, number two, is they don't really fall off much, and that's inside the program. That's beyond just the players themselves. And Wisconsin doesn't have that structure within their organization so they're going to be a really hot team but then start to fall off a little bit um so come wisconsin to play ohio state 
it's either going to be a really good game or it's going to be an absolute uh, Ohio State's going to beat them by probably 24 points. So we're going to see what happens with that. Yeah, um, we'll see that happen down the road, but I want to get back on this Michigan thing. Um, yeah, there's, see, that loss was just bad. I mean, it couldn't really do anything. Now, yeah. granted, if you want to say it was great Wisconsin or whatnot, that Ohio State offense is like, ugh. and that defense too. You thought this offensive line with like five of their starters returning was going to be good? They've been, they've been playing like crap, man. And the schedule doesn't get easier anyway. In two weeks, they got to play Iowa. And then two weeks after that, they got to play Notre Dame. And then two weeks after that, they got to play Michigan State. And then cap it off with Ohio State. Granted, they're all home. But at the same time, these are really good teams. And right now, Michigan just does not have the mojo. They really don't. That offense couldn't do anything when it comes to picks and fumbles and, like, bad throws and, you know, bad play calling. It's it's really not looking good for Jim Harbaugh staying another year because, you know, that Michigan uh, fan base is like, well, we brought in Jim Harbaugh to win national championships, yet you can't even win your own conference. It's bad play calling, man. I mean, you just said it yourself. That's That's more than true for Michigan. I mean – Army is a good team, but we're going into a second overtime and we're not even putting 35, 40 points on the board and you want to be a number eight ranked team to begin of the season, get out of here. You're just, you can't, you, this is the thing, the problem with the polls is people, the, the committee just talks them up so much, but it's just not happening. You're, you're already three yeah. games in the season. You already have one loss and you claim yourself to be a power five, uh, big 10 championship type. Team. And it's a hype. It's a hype train. It's a hype college. It's just, you, yeah, it's just, it's just not true football school. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Michigan has not beat Ohio State since Erwin Meyer came to there, and this is the game. They call it, this is the game. You can't lose this game between either or team. And it, being 0-6 against Ohio State doesn't help them at all either. And struggling and losing against Wisconsin, and then going into a double overtime with, uh, with Army, and then losing, getting destroyed by Florida. I mean... Florida, we saw that Miami game the first game. Give it's the first game, but they played like trash. The offense was absolutely awful. They were fumbling every other play, and then you only put up 15 points, and your defense cannot stop this 41-point spread by this team who was fumbling the ball. This is a reevaluation for this team. There's something more than coaching here that they need to fix. Yeah. Uh, guys, uh, so let's get back on track. We're going to finish up with this. Um, I know, I know Michigan has been freaking awful, but do you see any other upsets going on this weekend? What's your big upset of the week, Anthony? My upset, I'm going to be honest. I can see Arizona state beating California and I can see them beating California because Arizona state has a solid team and they play good football, honestly. They played really good football. They lost against Colorado by three points. They've only played one ranked team, which was Michigan State, and whoever Fres- Fresno was when they were ranked 21. But they've only lost by, you know, a touchdown or so. And the game that they won against Michigan State, which is a tough team, they beat them 10-7. to They didn't put up a lot of points, but they were able to capture a win, and a win is a win. So that's going to be a good game. Um, Oklahoma's going to blow out Texas Tech. Uh, Wisconsin's going to destroy Northwestern, which is sad. Northwestern used to be a good team. Um, what else we got here? 
Notre Dame's going to beat Virginia. I have no faith in in Virginia beating a team like Notre Dame. Washington's going to beat USC. And what else do we got here? There's one more game. The Kansas State and Oklahoma State will be a very good game. Uh, what's it called? Kansas State's ranked, but I believe in Oklahoma State. Um, I've seen when they played. Um, who did they play last time? I thought it was Texas they played. I saw when they played Texas. Yeah, they played Texas last week, and they lost by only six points. And, and they played good ball. They played really good ball. And they beat uh, Missouri, which was ranked. They beat Oregon State by a lot of points. They're putting up a lot of points up on the scoreboard. So it's going to be a, a blood fight battle. But I believe in this Oklahoma State team, and I think that uh, as long as the quarterback could stay – Strong with the ball, make smart decisions, play calling can be good, coach can be good, Oklahoma State can be Kansas State. So I got Arizona State over California, and then I got Oklahoma State over Kansas State. Brandon, you got any upsets besides USC beating Washington? USC, baby. That's it. That's all I got. I got... I got Oklahoma State beating Kansas State. Other than that, I don't really see anything else. But I, I'm going to say this Nebraska and Ohio State game is going to be close. It's going to be close, Anthony. Close. <laughs> but Ohio State makes it to that. I think Ohio State will have a lot of cushion in this game. The secondary for Ohio State has got to be strong. That's all i got to say. They've yeah, got to have the endurance – you gotta have the endurance to stop this Martinez guy because he's he's no Nebraska's joke. Nebraska's a ru- a running team, and that Martinez guy is a freaking ridiculous guy. He, he's he's great. He's so elusive. What I'm gonna say is look out for Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbin, and watch out for that Ohio State defense to really try to get to the quarterback with some pressure. Tough Borland yeah. is a very good. Um, and Chase Young, too. So these guys, they have got to be on top of their game. There's no way to about it. They just got to be on top of their game if they want to be able to win. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I, I just think it's going to be really close. I think Washington handles the USC. Um, Mississippi State could give Auburn a run for their money. They they really well could. But um, And then Washington. State could very well beat Utah. Who knows what Utah team is going to show up. So, All right, guys, that is it for this week's podcast. We did have the weekly drive this week. We had a lot of uh, other things going on, extracurricular activities, um, so we couldn't do that. So thank you. We, ha- we thank you for joining us today. And if you have any comments or suggestions going forward, give us a message, leave a comment, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at BenchBros2019. We'll keep you up to date on every headline throughout the week on those pages. We are also available on Spotify, and you can listen to this on SoundCloud and Anchor. So whatever you're listening on whatever device, take it with you. You can totally listen to it. So, again, thank you for listening. Brent, any last thoughts before Ant goes to Charlottesville? Um, USC, USC, USC by 10, boys. Oh, boy. Boys, O-H-I-O, O-H-I-O. Go Buckeyes. Nebraska has got no hope. And now into NASCAR. Here we go. Playoffs around the corner. We have the Charlotte Royal. I believe it's the 500. And this is a crazy track. This track has like 15 turns. And they have one, Wes, that we were talking about before that 
you're literally going in around the turn at like max speed. And then you want to make like four 90 degree turns at once. And guys have been crashing into the wall. Like every single time they just can't not control their car. Bubba Wallace last year was the one to crash into it, like wrecked his car. And then there was <coughs> one other guy. Um, might've been Stenhouse. I don't remember who it was, but even this track in general, like restarts and everything, people are crashing into the wall. I'm so pumped for this race. I think it's on, uh, what I say, Saturday or Sunday? I think Sunday. It's going to be on at 2.30. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be really, really interesting. And I'm hoping for another Truex win. That's my guy. I don't think Kyle Busch will pull out this win. It's going to be interesting who will be able to uh, capture the victory. But it's going to be interesting because this track is a very, very, very challenging track and guys have got to be uh, smart but the defending champion from last year is ryan blanny it's 109 laps it's a quad oil oval shape 1.45 miles per length and then in our uh clocking in our speed here very low speeds because the track is very small we have william byron again with one of the fastest cars 103.198 alex bowman in second which is very surprising 103.078 and then in our third place, Joey Logano at 103.037 miles per hour. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting to see these um, these lineups. These guys that are really known to be good racers are really hurting in this track. They just don't know how to race the right way. I mean, Kyle Busch clocked in in 17th place at 101.871 miles per hour. And he's a guy that, you know, really could turn it up and really get in there and try to get the wins and uh it's just not there so it's going to be interesting uh who's going to be able to handle this track coming up on on sunday and go huskies are taking on the red raiders beat the damn shippensburg red raiders so and i'm also playing you <coughs> you can catch us on bench bros every single week Bench Bros podcast will be on Thursday and Friday, and the weekly drive will be on on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So have a good rest of the day. So, Enjoy so some you, great college what football. Got, what do you guys we, know, who yeah. you got? Ow! Who, who you guys got? got? Who you guys who got, got for NASCAR? Who you guys got? 